Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Like some food for thought? Tune in to Radical Philosophy with discussions on freedom, happiness, knowledge, evil and rational argument. With words from Midgley, Caputi, Adams, Stewart, Wolfe and Hagen Gruber. Let's get radical about philosophy. Thanks so much for tuning into Radical Philosophy. I'm your host, Beth Matthews. Today on the program, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Olivia Fisher about anxiety and the coronavirus. Welcome to the program. Hi Beth, how are you going? Could you give us a little bit of background information about yourself? So I started working about 20 years ago as a mental health occupational therapist. I've worked in lots of different areas of mental health in different clinical roles. Then um, went into working in um, mental illness prevention, mental health promotion work. So I worked on lots of different projects and Um, About six years ago, I stopped and did my PhD, which was looking at factors predicting depression, anxiety symptoms and mental well-being in different generations and within families. So what are the protective factors that are the strongest predictors of of lower mental health problems and higher levels of mental well-being? So I'm now at Queensland University of Technology. I'm a mental health and health systems researcher. And, yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So what was it that inspired your interest in studying anxiety? So depression and anxiety, both of them are very closely related. They often go hand in hand with each other. And Depression and anxiety disorders are hugely prevalent in Australian society with a huge burden of disease across the population. So depression alone costs hundreds of millions of dollars every year in, in the Australian population. So and anxiety is actually far more prevalent. So I really wanted to focus on disorders where I thought that we could have a real impact in prevention work and that would you know have a really broad impact across the population. Could you explain about fear reactions and normal anxiety? Yeah so anxiety is actually a really normal human emotion. We are supposed to feel anxiety. That's part of our biological makeup. So um, anxiety is often, it's, it's an emotion, but it's also a physical and physiological mechanism that tells us that there's a threat. So it's a response to threat and the threats can be different depending on, so it's a normal physiological response to threat. And so what's normal is when there's a specific event or set of circumstances or a specific threat and we 
our anxiety is related to that particular threat. So it might be something like going for a job interview. It might be, you know, getting married, going to a wedding can be very stressful because, you know, it doesn't, stress doesn't necessarily mean bad things happening, but stress and anxiety can be related to exciting things as well. So it's a normal human emotion, but it's normally specific to a specific set of circumstances and it's limited in time. So it doesn't go on for a long period of time. It's not lasting for months on end. And we do have things like sleep disturbance. People often talk about waking up at two o'clock in the morning, not able to get back to sleep feeling on edge all the time, feeling like, so with coronavirus, I think a lot of people have really been describing this feeling of just needing to check in all the time. What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? What's, you know, and I think a lot of the uncertainty that we've had nationally as well as locally around different things have been happening in different communities really feeds that sense of anxiety. So right now it's really normal to be having problems sleeping, to have having difficulty getting to sleep and then waking up in the middle of the night, to be feeling really on edge, to be feeling a bit overwhelmed at times, even a bit teary at times. I guess we've never experienced anything like this before. So we, we don't kind of have a reference for, for what is normal in this situation, but but yeah, that's sort of what, what we would expect to see from people. Yeah, I suppose you you were saying about the fear reactions and I've got a I've got a bit of a fear of heights and but but I think that's sort of part of a survival mechanism that a lot of us have and I think well I wouldn't go skydiving or hot air ballooning and a lot of other people do that. And I think well you can be killed when you go skydiving. So I sort of look at that as, as not a bad thing about myself, but it, but probably a good thing because I'm yeah. protecting myself. Yeah. And it, this is why we have fear. So I think fear and anxiety are a little bit different as well because fear is sort of a very immediate sort of thing and anxiety can be a much longer... It's The terms are used very interchangeably, but I think, yeah, fear is is fundamental to our capacity to survive as a species because you know you burn yourself on the stove next time you're going to be afraid of burning yourself on the stove and so you're probably less likely to do it again because you're aware of it you know the consequences etc so it's normal to have fear about things that could cause us harm absolutely where things have sort of changed from that the caveman days i suppose is the that what we are perceiving as a threat is very different now to what it was, you know, when we developed as human beings. At the moment in 2020, we are all living with different levels of anxiety surrounding the coronavirus. What type of impact can a pandemic like this have on people's mental health? Huge. I think is the answer to that. It can be huge, but I want to sort of catch this in like, we, it, we have, we're at the beginning of a very high risk period, but I'm actually quite optimistic about our ability to continue to band together and to work through this and stay healthy. 
so without without putting anything in place and just sort of leaving things go, I think that we have a very, very high risk of um, people developing problems with anxiety and depression around this. The lack of uncertainty is the thing that people com- keep coming back to saying, I just don't know what to do. What's right one day is wrong the next day and I can't keep up and I'm getting in trouble because of something that was right two days ago, you know, is now illegal. So there's, there's definitely risk around that level of uncertainty for a prolonged period of time, but there's also real risks around social isolation and particularly people who have lost their jobs and are in a period of financial uncertainty as well as everything else that's been going on. So we have a lot of real risks for both anxiety and depression in, you know, say if you've lost your your job, you no longer have that sense of identity, that sense of purpose, that getting up every day and going to the same place. The routine is completely different. For all of us, I think our routines are completely different. And that gives us a sense of control and a sense of security. And so that's all changed. And um, so a lot of people are really fighting against the idea of that. But when, when we're not in our workplace, we don't have the same regular contact. You're not having those casual conversations with people, that human, human to human connection. Even for those of us who don't particularly love your workmates, it's still actually an important human connection that we make with people on a day-to-day basis. You know, you don't have to be best friends with your workmates to still feel that sense of being in it together and belonging in a team and accomplishing things on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, look, unchecked, if this goes on, well, which, you know, I'm certainly expecting this to go on um, for quite some time. We do have high risks, but I think that we can check it. Everybody is different and everybody is dealing with a situation differently because we, we haven't experienced anything like this before. What are some of the different coping mechanisms? So there are lots of different coping mechanisms that, um, that we use and some of them, we're all a bit different in what sort of works for us. There are some that appear to be reasonably universal and some that work for some people and don't work at all for others. So what's, what's really changed, I think, for a lot of us with this pandemic is that our usual coping strategies, things like spending time with friends and family, like going to the gym, like, you know, hanging out, having lunch with your workmates, lots of those different strategies that we would normally use, taking a holiday, just getting out in nature, all that kind of stuff. We're not actually allowed to do that at the moment to whatever degree. So for me, you know, one of my main coping strategies was going to the dog park and taking my dog for a run and catching up with my other (laughs) dog loving mates. And when they closed the, the dog parks where I live, that was quite a difficult day for me because that's one of my main coping strategies. You know, when I'm having a tough day, I can, go and watch my dog having fun and things feel a bit better. So what we need to be doing is being creative around how do we adjust to that? How do we adapt? So thinking about the coping strategies that are really important. So things like having that sense of belonging, we've got to, we've got to be more creative about how we maintain our relationships and 
I've had lots of people I know trying to reconnect with me that I haven't seen for a long time, sending me messages and saying, Hey, you know, I've suddenly got all this spare time. Can we do a video chat? Can we catch up? You know, and I think that that's really important. I think it's important not to wait for other people to get in touch with you, but to reach out and make an, make the effort to try and schedule things in. Lack of belonging is one of our biggest risk factors for mental health problems. So that's your number one. If you if there's one thing that you want to do for yourself as and your mental well-being, focus on maintaining and supporting that sense of belonging that you have in your communities. And at the moment, that has to be online. Okay, we're just going to have to live with that. We're going to have to get used to that and learn new ways of keeping that connection. Another one of our really important factors is having a frequent sense of accomplishment, achievement. So regular, I should say. So not necessarily frequent as in you don't have to be, you know, every five minutes. But I know that some of my friends have said that they are writing to-do lists and ticking things off to say, yes, I am actually still doing things. Because when you're in one place and you're always looking at the same four walls, it can be really difficult to feel that same sense of, I'm achieving something, I'm doing something that's important. And for people who have lost work, and that's a lot of people around the country right now, we're going to have to find ways outside of the work context to really feel the same sense of accomplishment. Again, it's about being creative, whether it's gardening, whether it's looking at the few ingredients that you've got in your cupboard and working out a new meal to make with them, whether it's going for that walk every day and keeping that routine. There's there's a lot of things for some people having a bad day, just opening your emails can be an accomplishment, just opening them, not responding to anything. But so it's about adapting what we think of as an accomplishment. It doesn't have to be getting a degree or doing an exam or other things that we would normally possibly see as accomplishments. You know, we've got to be kind to ourselves here. We've got to, and I think one of the other coping strategies that's really important is we need a sense of certainty. We need a sense of control in our lives. So developing your own routine of things that you do during the day is also, I think, really important. We can still go for walks. We can still do a lot of different things. And I think when people are starting to become quite obsessive, checking in all the time, um, checking in online, trying to see what's the next update, etc. It is a good idea to set limits on that to, if you know that that's going to be a problem for you to set times of the day for yourself where you're checking in and checking in with the most reliable sources that you can find. So whether that's World Health Organization, Australian government, um, I'm a Queenslander. So for me, it would be Queensland Health to check in with the reliable sources and know that the vast majority of stuff that's coming up on social media is absolute rubbish. It's people making guesses because we don't have the data yet. The vast majority of it, these strategies that are, you know, being sent around, I'm always getting people sending me things going, Hey, try this thing. It's a new, whatever. And then I always look at it and go, nope, that's definitely not going to stop the virus. So stick with your reliable sources and you're going to feel less of that sense of confusion and um, uncertainty, I think. But yeah, 
it's it's a tough time and i think we need to be kind on us kind to ourselves and realize that it's a tough time and realize that we're all doing our very best to get through this together and if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Radical Philosophy on Radio 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. And I'm speaking with Dr. Olivia Fisher about coronavirus anxiety. Is there such a thing as good anxiety or concern? Yeah, I think what we were talking about before, it has a place and it has a purpose. If we're feeling anxious about something, that's a cue to ourselves to say, hey, what's going on there? Why don't I feel good about this thing? And to assess the situation. So anxiety does definitely have a place. And it is just, it's part of being a human being. Yeah. Um, do you think that some people are more at risk of developing high rates of anxiety than others? Again, the short answer is yes, but with a lot of caveats. So some people do seem to be more prone to developing anxiety, but there's a lot that we can do to manage that risk. So some people know that, that they do have a tendency towards feeling more anxious. And so we can put a whole bunch of coping strategies in place before anxiety triggering events happen. So Yes, there are, there are lots of different factors that can, can come into play. But uh, I think the reality of this situation is that pretty much everybody is going to feel some level of anxiety. Um, how can we adapt and develop new ways to cope with this? So I think like, um, like we were saying before, getting really creative around how we um, think about the coping strategies that were working really well for us in the past, everything can get out of moderation. Yeah. So things like, you know, it might be lovely to go and sit and have a wine with your mates on a Friday afternoon, but, but if you've lost a whole bunch of your other coping strategies and that's the one thing that you've got left, there's a likelihood that that's going to cycle and spiral out of control. So we want to, get creative about thinking about what are all the different things that you would normally do that would help you to feel calm, have that sense of self-soothing and thinking about ways of incorporating those into your day-to-day life. And sometimes that can be a difficult thing to do and it can be a really good idea to have a conversation with um, professionals about what sorts of strategies might be useful to you. Now, pets are a very, very big part of reducing people's anxiety and I think that they can be really beneficial at this time and I've just noticed online that a, that a few people that had been thinking about getting a cat or a dog have actually gone out to a shelter and adopted one now and it's probably a really good time to do that because you've got a lot of time at home to settle them in, haven't you? <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, could you explain about protective factors? So the factors that we were talking about before, like having a strong sense of belonging, having a regular sense of accomplishment, feeling, finding your own ways to find a sense of certainty, connecting 
connecting with others. This is, I think, where having having pets actually can be useful, especially for people who live alone. Just having someone else in the in the house that you can have a conversation with, you know, and yes, I know that some people will listen to this and go, what are you talking about having a conversation with your dog? I have conversations with my dog all day long. He's just a very good listener, let's say. <laughs> so that we have to to adapt. So those protective factors, there are lots of them. Having optimism is important. Being able to reframe our thinking is really important. So when we're feeling really anxious and we're entering that kind of anxiety spiral, when you can get really sucked into the negative thinking, being able to change the way that we're thinking. So when we're in that anxiety spiral, being able to bring ourselves back and reframe that, talking ourselves through it, this is okay, you're in the present moment, it's tough, but we're going to get through being able to reframe that and being able to regulate your emotion. Those two reframing and regulating your emotions are really important, but they're two that can, that can take a bit of help if you're, if you're not really familiar with those concepts. And that's um, a good idea to go and talk to um, a professional about how you can be reframing some of your thinking and being more optimistic and less pessimistic, you know, and avoiding the, the anxiety pessimism spiral. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I suppose it's about appreciating the here and now rather than focusing on what we can't do is to focus on what we can do because we can Mm. probably do a, a, a lot more than we think in our own homes. Can't we? Yeah, definitely. And that's all of my work has been around exactly that. It's, I believe, and there's certainly evidence to this, that when we focus on what we can do, we feel better. We feel more productive. If you're focusing on what is wrong, you're going to feel terrible, basically. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds a bit oversimplistic, but it is pretty much as simple as that. You know, the more we focus on the bad, the worse we feel, the more we focus on having a sense of our own personal control. Hey, I know that belonging is good for me. So I'm going to set belonging targets for today. Okay. So I'm going to find my people that I'm going to check in with today and I'm going to make sure that I do that. You can set achievement targets for yourself. You can say, I'm going to wash the dishes water all the plants, walk the dog and do a couple of tasks around the home. And that can be your checklist that you're checking off during the day. So I really believe that focusing on what you can do is absolutely key to us getting through this because the more we focus on anxiety and depression and and the negative, the more likely we are to to end up going down that path whereas if we focus on it's the same with alcohol if you focus on not drinking alcohol you're going to be more likely to end up drinking alcohol so if we focus on okay well instead of drinking alcohol i'm going to do other positive things for myself then you're more likely to go and do the other positive things does that make sense yes yeah it it certainly does and and i think too 
there's, I mean, going, being able to go out is something that everybody has taken for granted. And mm. it's only now that it's being taken away from us that we're actually missing it. And I suppose you can, you can look at the situation uh, as like when you're really ill. And I mean, there's one thing when you're really ill, you just want to get better and you think, oh, I just didn't appreciate being well until I got ill. So I suppose it's the same sort of thing with this. I didn't appreciate being able to just walk out of my house whenever I liked, go wherever I like, have a holiday, have a walk down the park until it was taken away from me. So I suppose when all this is over, we're going to look back and think, geez, I'll never take those things for granted again. Mm. Oh, look, yesterday, you know, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but yesterday... I knew that I was going to do my grocery shopping on Tuesday, right? And I was in meetings on Tuesday morning going, hurry up. I don't care about any of this anymore. I just want to leave the house. <laughs> All I wanted to do was go grocery shopping. I was so excited to go grocery shopping because that was my, that was my outing. That was the thing that I was allowed to do. And I know that that's probably not particularly healthy, but look, it got me through the day. So is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't already covered? I, I really just honestly want to emphasize that we need to all be really kind to ourselves at this point. And I'm sure that you're also going to include other information, but um, about where to go. But it's really important if you are feeling panicked, if you're feeling that your anxiety symptoms are getting worse or, you know, you're feeling anxious most of the time, more days than not, it's going on for a longer time or it's no longer specific. It starts to become that generalized sense of anxiety where it's just sort of you feel anxious without necessarily something specific to be anxious about, go and get some help. There's lots of things that you can do. There are lots of great supports. Lifeline is a really key support. Beyond Blue, um, Black Dog Institute. If you're starting to feel the early symptoms of depression, if you're starting to feel a sense of numbness, if you're finding that you're not having the same sort of enjoyment in things that you normally would, go and get some help it's better. It's much more effective the sooner you do it. And the sooner you ask, go and talk to your GP and see whether there's somebody in your local community who can provide you some support. And there are so many different online and phone options now. So if you, if you're in stay at home mode, you don't have to be at home alone. Um, there are still plenty of supports out there for you. That's great advice. Well, thanks very much for coming onto the program today. No worries. Thanks so much for the invitation. And I've been speaking with Dr. Olivia Fisher about coronavirus anxiety. That's all we have time for today. So glad you tuned in and do stay tuned for Swing and Sway.
Gonna give it all up, throw it in the fire. Gonna give it all up, throw it in the fire. Gonna give it all up, throw it in the fire. Gonna give it all up, throw it in the fire. Gonna give it all up, throw it in the fire. Gonna give it all up, throw it in the f